This episode of Roadie Radio is brought to you by your local library's Library of Things. Did you know that your library has more than just books and movies? Libraries across Rhode Island lend out all sorts of unconventional items. You can borrow fishing gear, ukuleles, tools, games and puzzles, telescopes, and more. Whether you want to try a new hobby or keep the kids occupied, Ocean State Libraries have what you need. Contact your local library to find out what's in their library of things. You're listening to Roadie Radio, Rhode Island Library Radio Online. Hello, I'm your host, Dave Bartos, Coordinator of Adult Services at the Cranston Public Library and Roadie Radio crew member. A few weeks ago, I spoke with David Shorens, author of Refuge, a novel of lost democracy. David's book is a dystopian political thriller set in a near future that depicts the United States as a country in chaos following a national election that erupted in political violence. And while you might think that this topic feels both all too dark and a bit close to home, I think you'll find our conversation strikes a hopeful tone, one of the opportunities we all have to choose the path we set with our community and our democracy, as well as hearing David's journey of realizing his dream of writing a book. I hope you enjoy. So hi, this is Dave uh, from the Cranston Public Library and the Roadie Radio crew, and I'm here with author David Shorens to talk about his book, Refuge, a novel of lost democracy. David, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing quite well, Dave. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you. we got a, a plethora of Davids. This is great. <laughs> so I guess, why don't we start at the very beginning with, um, tell us a little bit about your book, more than I could do reading off the dust jacket here. Sure. No problem. Uh, it is my first novel, and it is a story of perhaps our near future. Uh, it would fall under a genre of political thriller, dystopia, along those lines. I like to refer to it as political horror, as a kind of a tongue-in-cheek approach to it. It is about uh, our current political situation, and I take, us the, take the reader to a time just ahead in time where a far-right government comes into power in the United States. So already, I already know that yeah, there are going to be a few people going to not like that part. But anyway, uh, it seems possible. And if I had written this 10 years ago, it would be almost ludicrous. I don't think so much these days. That's yeah. so implausible. And what I do is um, I try to create a storyline that would seem like this could happen in the United States. But I'm not going to take the reader in through the Pentagon or the Oval Office or anything like that. I set the novel among these characters I've created, and they happen to be in Eastport, Maine, um, which is almost as far east as you can get in the United States, although Lubbock, Maine would disagree. And also St. Andrews, New Brunswick, a lovely little resort town uh, that you find only about 11 kilometers, roughly north, northeast from Eastport. They're almost, almost within sight of each other, especially at night when you can see the lights. Um, okay. And these are two similar towns, both building on uh, trying to create a tourist industry. And uh, I've been to both places. They're lovely little towns. And I take some characters and put them first in St. Andrews. Uh, some people who have decided to, out of fear, uh, mostly, uh, mm -hmm. out of uh, 
a sense of wanting to fight back against a now effectively one-party state, and they happen to be in St. Andrews. They're both retired U.S. Air Force officers, and they're left. their family is on the other side of the U.S.-Canadian border, which is now closed for reasons that are political and not having to do with something like a pandemic. And on the other side, in Eastport, I put in a character, U.S. Coast Guard lieutenant, and he is still serving a serving officer. He has an unusual mission at the U.S. Coast Guard station in Eastport, which is an actual Coast Guard station. I went mm-hmm. there last December, I think it was, and gave them a copy of my book. They were very gracious. And uh, so the characters there are acting out their lives in some way, not knowing each other, what's going on, but they do intersect uh, in the end. So I try to Mm -hmm. write this with the idea of ordinary people caught in an extraordinary circumstance. That makes sense so far? Yeah, absolutely. There are other characters, of course, involved, uh, an analyst, Robert Leclerc, who is with the uh, Canadian Security Intelligence Service, a real agency, mm-hmm. another with uh, the RCMP, uh, other characters, a lawyer in Canada, Edward, and my favorite character is in Eastport, Maine, who's actually a kind of a minor character, but he does play an important role toward the end. And uh, I'll just call him the old man, and I'll let the reader discover his name. You know, when you're writing, you create these people out of nothing. And some of them you learn to despise. And some of them you really, you know, feel this guy is really cool. You know? Right. <laughs> and you take it where you need it to go. You either keep them alive or you kill yeah. them off. It all depends. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody said it once. Writing is making up a weird little guy. And then, oh, no, now he's in trouble. Right. <laughs> yeah. And try to figure out how to put him into further trouble. Or get them out of trouble. Exactly. You know, uh, it, it, in, in some ways, I think I've heard an author say, your, your job is to paint yourself in a corner and just find your way out. Mm. But, uh, you know, uh, it it's, uh, again, my first novel. And uh, yeah, I had a really nice time, uh, a lot of fun writing it. Just, yeah, just a, you know, a couple hours a day, blah, 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 you know, type out a few things. And then go back, throw it out, keep it, move on. Try to catch everything that's wrong in it. I hired an editor, and then I went to a Rhode Island firm to help me get it out there. Stillwater River uh, Publications, who are now in Warwick. Yeah, I figure I might as well plug them since they were great help to me. Absolutely, yeah, we're huge fans of Stillwater River here. Oh, good, good. Well, I found that with everything they said they were going to do, they were on time and on target. Excellent. So you know, it was didn't turn me off to writing. Working on another one right now. That's fantastic. But uh, I did have. A lot of fun creating that world. You know, I, I took a very peaceful area. If you've never been up there, you should go. I took a very peaceful area and introduced conflict. Yeah. What could be better? You know? <laughs> you know? So. <laughs> so let me ask, um, with this being your first novel, what are the life experiences that brought you to writing this type of story as your first novel? What informed this situation? One of the characters is a, a lieutenant in the Coast Guard. And I served in the Coast Guard, too. And so I reached back into uh, some of my own experiences and then also some of the people I met along the course of my service. There is also the two main characters who are called Michael and Deborah Wynott. See, I I put in my mother's name. there. (laughs) And uh, they're both Air Force. Well, my wife was Air Force physician. Okay. Retired uh, from the Air Force. 
and uh, and I chose Canada as a major setting of it, especially in my generation. What did your parents do when you were 12 years old? Put everybody in the station wagon if you're from New England, and they drove you to the Maritimes for a vacation. Yeah. And I remember we went and visited, my wife and I, St. Andrews, before COVID happened. And I looked down the waterfront, and there is the blockhouse uh, fortification that they've restored that I remember going to when I was 12. And um, so is that. And then when we're overseas in Germany, we served, my wife served alongside a bunch of Canadians at this multinational NATO base. And I just, you just start picking snippets from people and your experiences and, and putting it in there. And you develop the characters and the places along the way. I even worked in at least one uh, search and rescue case we had as sort of a site, you know, part of the plot line. So. Lots of fun. That's great. So it, it sounds like um, were the characters in place and then you looked for the plot to put them in or did the plot come first and then you found places to put in these characters that you've met throughout your life? Yeah, I, I think in author circles, I've heard these two words, a planner or a pantser. Yes. A planner is someone who outlines the whole thing, you know, beginning to end. Not me. <laughs> I had an idea <laughs> of the basic, the premise, the opening, some things I wanted to put in it. And, you know, I'm typing along. I just, I won't give a spoil the diversion, but I did divert from one of my intentions all of a sudden, just, oh, this will be fun. Boom, did it and changed the plot completely. And uh, so I guess in, in a way, I suppose, allowing the setting, allowing the characters to tell you where it should go. You know, you sort of a, sure. a negotiation between the two. And uh, ultimately, uh, I wound up at the place where you write the end. Yes, that's got to be satisfying to come to an ending and feel like it's it's found a logical ending. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was, you know, typing the end. Uh, no one was more shocked than me. So it was a good feeling. And just generally, you know, I started this during 2021. And, uh, you know, we were in the throes of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I had retired from teaching science at an area high school. And um, I just needed something to do. Now, I've told people I, I could have taken the time and resources I used toward the book and probably played a lot of golf. <laughs> well, all I'd be left with would be walk, a memory of walking off the 18th hole and cursing myself for a poorly played game. You know, with this, oh, I can hold this in my hand, my own creation. You know, uh, it's just uh, I don't expect it to, you know, be some famous novel or anything like that. It just it's for very personal reasons. I did this. And that's kind of nice. Sure. That's very powerful, too. She can always point to that in the shelf. I keep my golf clubs in the garage where they belong. <laughs> A Good Walk Spoiled. I think that was uh, Mark Twain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just, uh, so it was just, uh, just nice to hold in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the satisfaction of a job well done and feeling, feeling satisfied with it, whatever you're making, whether it's a book or, you know, a deck or other things that end with the letter K. Yeah. It is something I've always thought about doing, but I find reasons not to start it. Yeah. And uh, well, retirement and a pandemic and the opportunity right. came all together. Yeah, absolutely. Retirement, pandemic. What would you say was the final push in 2021 to kind of you know, get get started with it? It's like, okay, I've got the time to do it. Um, and now I've got this idea that I can't let go of. So what was that kind of inspiration? Where did that spring from? The idea that was difficult to let go of was current events. Um, mm-hmm. 
that kind of inspired the storyline in general terms. That's some research, some feedback from a couple of people I know who uh, are creatives themselves. You know, should I continue with this? They said, yes. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, off I went. And uh, it just, okay, something would pop in my mind and I'd try a little something and just keep going at it uh, so that it became fun and not a drudgery. Like, I got to get this done, that kind of thing. Like I said, no one was more shocked that I finished it than me. <laughs> so I guess I had something to say and I said it. Um, I guess it puts to mind, and I wonder if there were any, uh, maybe this question won't go anywhere, but I'm curious, because the the description of the book, like it puts to mind um, the Sinclair Lewis book, It Can't Happen Here. I've read that, yeah. And that was another one where I, I had read that. I had started reading it, I want to say in like 2015. I was like, oh, I remember reading this book and finding it interesting and feeling like it was almost too real and I had to put it down. Um, and then, you know, and it ends with, you know, not to spoil a hundred year old book. Yeah, it ends with him escaping to Canada, right? Yeah. Yes. And uh, I think so. And uh, I know he wrote that. Sinclair Lewis wrote that. 19, had it published in 1936. And uh, I read the book prior to starting Refuge. Sure. And so there was some inspiration from that, too. I know that when he was writing it, mm-hmm. 1936, I mean, you don't have to be, you know, PhD in history to know what was going on at that time. Fascism was on the ascendancy. Germany, Italy, militaristic Japan, pretty uh, vocal Nazi movement in the United States, the uh, German-American Bund that had their own mm-hmm. versions of Hitler youth camps in Long Island, openly. Yeah. And they played on rampant anti-Semitism that existed in those days. Uh, and Lewis presents a novel of it. This is where this kind of far-right populism could take us. Right. So that's still relevant today. And what I do with mine, which is kind of a warning also, Sinclair Lewis created characters of a president by name. Uh, Winthrop, I think, was his name, the character's name, and and so forth. And yeah, I yeah. think that was the case. I can stand to be corrected if I was wrong. But uh, <laughs> in my story, I don't name a president. I don't name a political party. Okay. I, in some ways, Lewis's book worked for those few years, and then it starts to be more, say, some aspects of it perishable to some readers, even though its message yeah. is still relevant. So I tried to, at least my perception, tried to avoid that. And, uh, just, okay, is this my book refuge about the next election? Or is it the election after that? Right. Leave that kind of mysterious or let the reader put it in their mind. I'm curious, you know, with with it being set in a near future, um, are there any like sci-fi elements? Did you play at all with the, the setting in terms of time like that? No sci-fi. No? Okay. Just advance the characters to a situation in a yeah. few years. I do take pains in one chapter to the main character, Michael Wynott gets asked by his friend and immediate neighbor in St. Andrews, uh, a border security officer by the name of George LeBlanc, and gets asked, well, what happened? What happened in the United States? And Michael, the character, couldn't answer that. And it mm-hmm. it really wears on him until finally he writes out an essay to himself, what he thinks happened. Uh, and it's okay. almost an unbearable thing for him to write. Uh, so I give the reader, mm. okay, this is the pathway to where I didn't have to look yeah. any further than uh, the news, basically, uh, yeah. to find a way. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, I I really enjoy uh, dystopian fiction and all that kind of stuff, but often it's not the authors, and I don't I take away nothing from them. Introduce some sort of large event 
Mm -hmm. uh, Margaret Atwood, Canadian author with Handmaid's Tale, introduced a global fertility crisis mm -hmm. case. And Orwell in 1984 introduced uh, the post-atomic war. I don't put in, you know, some sort of cataclysm like that. There's no uh, economic Great Depression number two. There's no sort mm -hmm. of military cataclysm or anything like that. I just, how about a national election? That should be enough, you know, right. and hope that the reader would find that more plausible and therefore more scary. Yeah. I've had that word used in connection with the book. Scary. Yeah. And one thing I like about fiction personally is how basically when you boil anything down, it's all a story that we tell ourselves, whether we're talking about reality or we're talking about fiction. And so imagining mm -hmm. a story that we don't want to have happen can kind of help us as people living our day-to-day -day life, imagine the kinds of stories we would like to create in our reality. Um, right. So I guess that's a that's a highfalutin way for me to ask, what do you feel like are some key takeaways and changes that uh, readers can make to perhaps avoid the kind of dystopia, you know, political terror that you've created? What can the individual take away from that? Or what would you like them to take away from that? My novel story does not become our history. Um, I would say just be engaged, you know, uh, pay attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Be engaged with your local community, whatever, school boards or whatever, just or just like a, be kind to your neighbors and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, when you see something that is totally un-American, make sure your opinion's heard. Like we've had this group in New England, mm -hmm. NSC131. They've showed up at, I think, the Pawtucket Library not too long ago and in Fall River, a neo-Nazi group that's active throughout New England. You may have heard of them. Yeah. I mean, if you see them, tell people that these Nazis were here because that's who they are. Yeah. Uh, and make your displeasure known. If you make your pleasure known about them appearing, then there's other issues you have. But uh, yeah. You know, we're supposed to stand for something so that we stand for a, a, the republic that we do have. I, yep. I think sometimes people, they, they, you know, have the American flag. Good for you. But remember, uh, that's a symbol for the constitutional republic that we have. I mean, it's kind of mentioned in the pledge. So you should stand in support of that. People should vote. I mean, talk about a not at, we're not asking a lot of America. Yeah. Vote. Yeah. Just vote. I'm not asking anybody to join the military. That's up to them. I'm not asking them to run for office. That's up to them. At least mm -hmm. meet minimum standards and yeah. cast your vote. So, you know, to safeguard this democracy that we do have. And I understand that some people will look at my book, and maybe object to it, especially, you know, I envision a far right kind of a success in an election. And then, well, it gets bad. Mm hmm. That would reflect people choosing the votes. However, um, just think about where you, you might be wanting to take us. Okay? I don't like extremes on either side, but, you know, the research I've done, the, the data seems to show from like Department of Homeland Security that if you look at political violence, which is part of this novel, too, uh, it does come from uh, the uh, right wing more often mm -hmm. than not, roughly three out of four incidents. So it's uh, that's from the Department of Homeland Security in 2017. I don't think it's changed much since then. So, uh, you know, try to be engaged. Yeah, that would be nice. If you're engaged, the story won't become our history. Right. That's impactful. Um, I don't know. Just me talking. Yes. Are, are you able um, shifting gears to what you're working on now? Do you want to give any kind of preview of what's happening, what you're thinking of? Yeah. The working title so far is Captive. Uh this one, uh, the setting is much more focused. It'll take place in Rhode Island, Little Rhode Island, right. the state that always hits above <laughs> its weight. Yes. Oh, it does. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, this 
uh, in this book, an author writes something that uh, some people are supportive of, but a number of other people are not supportive. And uh, the author is taken through a lot of harassment, which is easy for people to do these days, anonymously yeah. online, that evolves into death threats. Uh, that doesn't seem so outlandish. After all, a meteorologist in Iowa who was talking about climate change on air received death threats, of all things. Um, so the book will open with the author, the main character, discovering he's just been kidnapped, waking up in a basement. Then I go back in time a few months, four months, and uh, take him through his journey through all that. And then yeah. I also introduce his captor, and uh, I'm working on fleshing him out. And then I have to take these two characters and imagine their final interaction. Hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, definitely sounds like another, you know, sort of thinking about a thriller. So you've got you've got that lane picked out. That's cool. Yeah. You know, so that's that's where I'm leaning toward right now. Yeah. I got to finish it now because I'm 80 full pages of Microsoft Word into it. I'm not going to just <laughs> delete no turning no. back. No, pretty much, yeah. There does come a point I discovered that you're so far into it, you, you got to finish it. Sure. So that's where I'm headed with that one. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, so, you know, we're talking here to kind of, you know, um, introduce our audience to your book. I'm curious, um, because you're a local author, do you have any local events coming up that you want to tell people about? Uh, let's see. I have to double check, but I think there was an opening for a book signing at the Narragansett Brewery. Uh, Right on. Uh, in December. And of course, there's the big Rhode Island Association of Authors uh, event in Warwick that'll happen on December 2nd. Uh, and that's where you have a big book expo. So when I can get part to be yeah. part of that, I'll do that. And that's where you, you know, usual thing. Get the table out, put out the books and see what, you know, if anybody is attracted to that. The brewery, the brewery thing uh, kind of follows the line. Well, get people liquored up and they'll buy anything. So there you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Someday I'd like to also have, there's a brewery around the corner here in Portsmouth at Ragged Island. Someday I'd like to get some other authors and hold an event there. Maybe when Captive is finished. There you go. Maybe for next summer. So if um, if somebody wanted to get a copy of the book, obviously we've got it at the public libraries in uh, in Rhode Island at Ocean State Libraries, but where else can people, um, you know, find a copy of the book? Well, it's available uh, on Amazon, paperback or Kindle. Okay. So like everything else in our lives. Yes. All right. In addition to Amazon, this can be purchased through Stillwater River Publications, but also Island Books in Middletown. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have half a dozen copies of the book, so you can go buy it there. Excellent. Yeah, go support your indie. Absolutely. You know, buy local. And yeah, it's in a, you know, a few libraries, uh, like Pawtucket Library. Yeah. Upton Mass Library, because I did a community uh, cable channel interview on Upton Mass. And uh, the Portsmouth Library has a copy. And uh, the library in St. Andrews, New Brunswick has a copy. Cool. Yeah. Well, one of the neatest things was it opens, the book opens uh, in St. Andrews at a scene at a restaurant that I've actually gone to. I just changed the name a little bit. Yeah. The actual name is the Seabreeze Restaurant and Cafe. And... Um, I sent them a copy in last December. I said, hey, you're kind of inspired part of this novel, so here you go, your own copy. <laughs> and um, they reopened, I think it was in January, got back from their vacation, 
and uh, all they they said some nice things on Facebook, their Facebook page. <laughs> kind of surprised that you know, oh my God, look at this! And I, you know, you know, my restaurant inspired a novel. Okay, fine. <laughs> But, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it was kind of, and I, I did get an interview connected with that. The St. Croix Courier, a new, newspaper up there, covers the local cool. stuff. Yeah. That was nice. Fantastic. Well, well, I appreciate you taking the time chatting with me, David. Um, again, the, the novel is Refuge by David Shorens, a political dystopian horror that I think we would all do well to avoid, but not the book. Don't avoid the book. Don't avoid the book. <laughs> avoid the outcome. The outcomes of the book, yes. Yeah. Um, so Let's available in libraries and fine online retailers near you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, David. Thank you, Dave. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Refuge by David Shorens is available from Stillwater River Publications and at an Ocean State Library near you. I'll put links to both in the show notes. The theme music for this episode is Cinematic Action Trailer by Paul Uden. Roadie Radio is proud to be a resident partner of the Rhode Island Center for the Book and is brought to you by library staff and community members all around the Ocean State. This episode was made possible in part by a grant from the Rhode Island Council for the Humanities, an independent affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. The Rhode Island Council for the Humanities seeds, supports, and strengthens public history, cultural heritage, civic education, and community engagement by and for all Rhode Islanders. You can find more from Roadie Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe to Roadie Radio and rate or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help us reach more Rhode Islanders. Music